We are coming to you live on Black Friday. Um, although Fathom doesn't have any sales on Black Friday, we don't actually have any sales any day of the year. Why do we do that? Are we just assholes or? <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, to me, it's a service versus a product. I'm all in on doing discounts for products that don't cost us extra to run. But with services, it is a bit harder. So I'm not really sure what we do, to be honest. I mean, I also think that I like the fairness of everybody just pays the same price. There are no special deals. There are no once a year offers. It's just you pay what the price is. Well, yeah. And everybody gets the same price, existing customers, new customers, other than the, the I guess, the $10 credit for um, our affiliate program to help our affiliates out, which our affiliate program is actually going to just a slight aside. Our affiliate program and our affiliates are yep. doing amazing mm-hmm. lately. Or every time we do a payout, I'm like, that's a lot of money. And then I think about it. I'm like, that's even more money for us. Yep. <laughs> like it's such a, it's such a win, 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 I guess. Cause the people who sign up get to use fathom. <laughs> so it's like a, a triple it's compounding win. and it's just done so well and it's just going to keep growing. You did a refactor of the page on the marketing website and you actually included our conversion rate and our churn rate. And if I'm an affiliate mm-hmm. and I'm looking at that page, I'm thinking, wow, this is clearly oh, already patting ourselves on the back and we've only been recording for less than five minutes, less than two minutes. I know. Let's let's talk about why we had to delete our last podcast episode. We might as well. Okay, I guess... We launched custom domains uh, along with EU isolation. But with custom domains, one of the solutions we offered was not having to actually set up a custom domain. You could kind of piggyback on the default URL generated by the CDN provider we use. Well, long story short, they, they didn't like that. It was a concern to them. And we have suspicions that it came from an ad blocker, like someone that was sort of angry at us. And I mean, the big reason for me wanting to delete the episode is because it was quite provocative. You know, it was, I kind of went off on one. I'm sure you did too. I don't remember. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it was just me. And yeah, we basically had to roll back that feature. So the episode felt stupid because we're talking about this thing for five or 10 minutes. And then within a few days of launching the episode, we had to roll it back. And I mean, I'm at a place of understanding now. I understand the concerns. I understand that, you know, we're just better to just stick with, you have to make DNS changes. We can't offer the no DNS custom domains and and that's fine. And I think the biggest thing when we actually emailed people and said, look, we need you to add a custom domain. The biggest thing was Mm -hmm. that it was quite hard to communicate because we had people that had just tested it, but hadn't done anything. And they're coming back to us and saying, oh, I didn't do it because the only way to undo advanced mode. And I think uh, we didn't think about this, but 
when we knew this could happen, we, I said to you, look, I don't know who's using this and mm -hmm. who's just enabled it but not used it. I said the downside is that we are going to get support tickets where people are a bit confused. I think I underestimated yeah. how many support tickets we'd get because you sort of just forget the scale we're operating at. And I sometimes think in terms of scale back to you know, maybe 2019. Whereas now if we do something <laughs> or we send an email, we get so much back, which is great. But when we confuse people... <laughs> It's not too great, but we handled it fine. And and yeah, it's all fine. So that's really why we deleted the last episode because it didn't make sense at all. Yeah, we had to, yeah, we had to change a feature that we'd worked on for a year. And yeah, we had all the customers that started to use it. We had to tell them to not use it or to, I guess, use it in a different way. Custom domain still exists. EU isolation still exists. It's just they had to use it in a slightly different way. And I think I'm in the same place now. Like I understand why the vendor um, had an issue with it. But I also feel like if ad blocking companies have this much power mm. on the internet, I'm a oh. little scared. Yeah. I, yeah. And uh, I'm worried, I guess, more, more so than scared. I'm not really yeah. scared. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm scared, but more so worried that the power they have to just email uh, a CDN company possibly and be like, hey, that they can't skirt this, which is also like, I, we, I know we keep coming back to this, but we're not fucking ads. <laughs> well, I don't know why ad blockers have a problem with us. Like I, I wrote an article whenever it was ago, a few weeks ago, about why people, we looked at research about why people use ad blockers. And all of the reasons that they use ad blockers have nothing to do with Fathom. They all have to do with ads because they're ad blocking. Right? Like it, they picked a fight with somebody they shouldn't be picking a fight with because we should be on the same fucking team. Yes, but we're third party. So I, I know we keep coming, we keep coming back to this, but yeah, but we, yeah, we are third party, but not every third party yeah. script is bad. We know that, but, yeah. So anyways, yeah, we had to, we had to pivot. Big time. Um, we had to change the marketing site. We had to change the application. We had to rethink things. We had to email a whole lot of customers. But Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's part of, like, back to patting ourselves on the back. Um, <laughs> I, I well, it was, a, it was a shitty situation. Like you and I were both really stressed, but yeah. we did, we were able to move on that really quickly. Like I about a day, didn't it? Yeah, I feel like we did a pretty good job of like hearing from the vendor that that had an issue and being like, okay, this sucks, but we don't have any power over it sucking, or we don't have any power over them making this changing their mind about something. We do have power over what we can do about it and how we can move forward and what we can do to make a bad situation the best case scenario that it can be, given the constraints that we have now right like i feel like we did a, a pretty good job of um moving forward we didn't do the best job but i didn't i could have written the email a bit better and we could have i guess up we could the application could have been a bit easier as far as like toggling advanced mode to get the url and mm -hmm. making it active or inactive or letting people know that hey you haven't enabled this unless you actually change your script like we did say that but it was uh, kind of a, a tricky email to digest so yeah. people panicked because we used the word urgent yeah i mean it, it was urgent we had, they had to change things pretty quickly um but you know how the markup did that article and they evaluated vpns 
and they looked at which people were actually just not too good. Mm-hmm. They went into a bunch of metrics. I think we're getting to the point where we need the markup to actually look at ad blockers. And I may actually suggest that to them because mm-hmm. ad blockers aren't bad, but we need to look at the process behind blocking your website. It seems to be just a bunch of, like anyone can submit a request and then one person. So I know, for example, you block Origin. It's one person in Quebec who can just approve it. And I'm sure they have other members, but someone can literally press a button and can block access to an entire website for, for you block. Yeah. And that's deeply concerning. There's no real process. There's no official appeal process. There's no, you know, they can't deep dive into things. And it's just absurd. And if I was running something like that, I would do something like a third party service. I'd insist on something like an audit, an audit being done by a third party to see if you're keeping access logs. Because an access, access logs being kept by a third party is deeply concerning. Mm-hmm. And I have concerns about companies like Cloudflare, Netlify, well, you know, like all of these things. Yeah. Um, if you're using a third party provider or a software that potentially tracks users across multiple websites, you need to be being careful with your access logs. You can't keep access logs. Yeah. And you just have to be careful because I know that it helps with DDoS attacks and things, but you're centralized. And by being centralized, you then expose um, visitors to to privacy risk. And so with Fathom, obviously, we don't keep access logs. And uh, I think we kept redacted access logs when we had to defend ourselves against attacks. Mm -hmm. So we'd have logs where it wouldn't have the website you visited. It was basically saying, oh, this IP address visited a website that Fathom Fathom's on, which is like over 150,000 websites now. So you can't tell which website it was. We got rid of that, but at the time we had to have that and we kept it for about 24 hours. But there are companies out there that just don't care and they're keeping raw access logs. And these are these are centralized companies that multiple websites are either running their script or their platforms that multiple websites run on. They're keeping these comprehensive access logs and you're able to see a single IP browsing across multiple websites. And that's just how you start to profile people and um, it just gets gets messy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it speaks to dece- like decentralization of the internet being good. It's just like when Cloudflare goes down, the internet stops working. If AWS ever yeah. goes down, the entire internet stops working. And it's like, that's not really, the internet doesn't, it wasn't started and it doesn't have its power from a few companies having all of this, like the internet going through a handful of companies. Like it just doesn't make sense. And Cloudflare fascinates me. And I know Cloudflare developers love it, but they're kind of marketing against Amazon about this egress data transfer thing. And it's the whole thing of Amazon charging for data transfer and Cloudflare doing this. And I think to myself, Cloudflare's teamed up with Google and I believe some other companies to get discounts or something along these lines. Mm -hmm. I've got it all written down somewhere. And I just think to myself, yeah, it's fine you're doing all this marketing against Amazon, but what about small CDN providers who you're basically outpricing because you're doing these special deals? And they they operate at a loss. <laughs> oh, don't get me don't get me started on that. Yeah, we're going to take millions of dollars of investment. I think they've got money coming from China. They've got money coming from various venture capitalists in the States. They're running at a loss. And so like, how the heck do smaller companies compete? I don't like that. I, there's a name for this kind of capitalism. And someone did a great evaluation of when you intentionally run at a loss, you basically, you beat your competitors because mm-hmm. they can't run unless they've got millions of dollars of, of venture capital backing. You intentionally, Amazon does this. Yeah. Amazon does this. They run at a loss on various, I think they actually, 
they still run at a loss or they've got some some profits i'm not 100 percent sure and then your small your local um whatever they're selling a local shop or anything else can't compete with them and so they run at a loss they get the market and there's a name for it and someone will tell us the name for it you know what i'm talking about where they intentionally do this to to win over the market yeah it sounds like there's a name for it because it happens all the time now yeah i agree it's gross so yeah i'm not i'm not impressed with this and it is what it is people like cloudflare i'm not going to go off on one too much but I'm just very aware of this. Same with Amazon. I'm aware that Amazon do this. Well, yeah, we've had episodes about what the things we can like some things about Amazon, but also hate some things about Amazon. We can love some things about Cloudflare and also dislike some things about Cloudflare, right? Like- well, and I talked to John Henshaw about this because he loves Cloudflare. And Cloudflare has done so much good for everyone because before, how on earth would you fend off a DDoS attack? Whereas yeah. now you can chuck it behind Cloudflare and they'll do it for you. So it's obviously not all bad. I just, you know, we've got to be objective when we look at things like Cloudflare, Amazon and everything else. So I don't I don't uh, negate everything they've done. Yeah, I mean, all the things Cloudflare has for free, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, you can have DDoS protection for free. You can register domain names and they don't mark the domain names up. It's like, there's a lot of things that they do to to destroy the competition and then they can eventually once they have enough of the market do whatever they want like charge more money increase like who knows right like yeah and i think what we're hopefully going to see over the next five to ten years are more solutions coming into play so right now you know amazon uh, amazon has lambda apparently that's actually open source and can be run yourself but i don't know we need smaller companies competing and maybe we'll get that you know and we'll see what happens you just got to keep on talking about it and, and maybe something will magically change. Or maybe someone will start something, Paul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hint, hint. So what else is uh, what else is going on? I mean, we did, la- we kind of glazed over the fact that we launched EU isolation and custom domains. And other than the little hiccup that we had, they've been, they've been really well received. People are super stoked on, on EU isolation, especially like, that was a, a fun launch and we both were we were both very excited like the episode that only a few people got to hear you and I were both very excited about launching these features and now that all the other stuff has died down around it and around the, the little change we had to make I'm still excited that we launched these things and I, it, it's just nice to have features that we put so much thought and care into um, that are now out in the world and people are using them and like EU isolation just works Right. Like if you don't care about EU isolation, it's working. If you really care about EU isolation, (laughs) it's working. Right. Like it's just, it's just awesome to have features like that where it doesn't like there's no, it requires a bit of technical understanding to understand the ins and outs of why it exists and how it exists as far as like routing data. But at, at a high level, it's just like, oh, we just do this for our customers. Yeah. And I was speaking with, I was speaking with single store recently, just casual chat about some features they're they're working on and i joked with them and i said you know u.s tech companies generally don't um have as as much care towards gdpr i'm not saying single store in particular i'm just saying like u.s tech companies don't Mm -hmm. live in a world where their necks are constantly being um breathed down right so like same with us we're in canada it's not just u.s tech it's canadian too and other uh, countries right now 
if we were running a business, we would not. If we were running a business that wasn't Fathom, I don't believe that we would be as focused on GDPR as we have been. No, of course not. I don't think we would be. Sure, like there's a privacy aspect, but privacy can exist outside of privacy laws. So anyway, when we launched this, I didn't get the vibe that lots of people in the states or Canada necessarily were uh, understood it for one or that they really cared, right? But we were very clear that this feature was for people that do care and for people in the EU. So what this does is it takes us from kind of like simple privacy-focused analytics to if you're in the EU, we are literally one of the, I think we're actually the only privacy-first analytics company that you can use if you are in the EU. And that's just a such a positioning change. And we had the emails we were getting outside of the ones that were impressed with the technology and stuff, the emails that were saying like, fuck yeah, like this is absolutely, <laughs> you know, we got those some really yeah. funny emails just because they were so surprised. They were coming from the EU. The people in the EU live with the Schrems 2 ruling, with the GDPR and with the repercussions because they can't escape it. They're inside of it. Those people really were relieved. And I'm, I'm so happy we've done this. It's just huge. Well, I just want to circle back on, on what you said, just because I think you, you glossed over something pretty big is that we're one of the only companies um, <laughs> that comply with this. And I think it's important to note that just because you operate a company in the EU, or you use servers in the EU that doesn't make you automatically compliant with this, right? Like if you use a company that has servers in the EU, that only works and that only makes you compliant if the company is then owned by an EU company. So if you're using AWS or DigitalOcean or whatever, they're American companies. And so they can still have whatever those... um, legal things to to get access to it you know this more than i do but it's still like it doesn't that doesn't matter it has to be the reason why fathom is compliant with these laws and one of the only companies it is is because we route traffic through eu servers that are owned by eu companies yeah and we have adequacy ruling under gdpr so yes. canada has acceptable data protections because the gdpr from what i understand talking to re and again, we're now operating at a level where it's just above our head. A lot of this stuff is above our head and we're having to talk to Ree and other lawyers. Mm-hmm. Like, they know this stuff. The Canada has adequacy uh, ruling, but the states oversteps. The, the United States government oversteps as to what is considered acceptable. So you should be able to um, request information on your citizens if they break the law. I think there's like there are some things that make sense, right? And governments have to do certain things you know, someone's been abducted, they want to get access to chat logs or something. We can we can debate about this and how this is done, but there needs to be reasonable ways in which you can get data. So yeah, with Pfizer and the executive order in the States, they really just have too much power. And it, the whole point is that we need to protect the EU data subject data. And that's how it works. And so we're now in a position where things are just beautiful. Yeah, and we can uh, look forward to... Um, our roadmap of of other features that we're working on along with some infrastructure changes and updates and upgrades as usual some design updates and upgrades as usual but yeah i like um i like getting into like building something and then launching it it just feels 
good. And I think it, it just, it takes so much time. Like it takes so much time to get things right. And even when you spend all of that time to try to make it as perfect as possible, you can still launch it. And then like a day later or whatever it was, have to change something. That's kind of the way that that, that was works. out of our control. Yeah, yeah. That was out of our control. And that was something we added. And I think context for that as well, I guess the way we went here was a kind of idea we had after I spoke with their CEO, the CEO technically never said we could do this specific thing with the service. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I think, yeah, I still would like to have a, a talk with him and just talk through some things, but yeah. I, I honestly would like to talk about ad blockers and stuff. Cause I spoke to him before. He's one of the nicest guys. Um, I would like to talk about the ad blocker concerns and seeing what we can do you know, as small, medium businesses and, uh, and all that jazz. Yeah. So, yeah. So right now we can talk about what we're working on. No ETAs. I mean, I said to you, ideally Q1 of 22, 23. Where are we now? Are we 21? Yeah, I think we're 21 for the next little while. Yeah. Okay. So Q1 of 22, we're looking to ship out teams, which is very exciting. Users, I think we're calling it. Yeah. Users? Yeah, yeah. users, I think. We simplified this feature. We sort of went back and forth between, should we allow accounts to have multiple teams and we're thinking, oh, I can't obviously say names, but bigger companies using Fathom might have multiple teams and they might want those teams to be, you know, working on it's kind of like isolated entities. And I think we actually landed on if that ever comes up, we'll charge a premium for this and we'll build it for that first customer and then we'll market it. We're not going to build all this functionality on an assumption that this like yeah. one of maybe 10 companies might do X, Y, Z because we can't do that. It's just too substantial. So we simplified it. And I think I haven't even looked at your your UX updates, but I'm excited to to have a, a butcher's. Yeah, it's um I think we landed in a place where and I mean that's that's the case I think with, with all features when you're when you're doing software is how can you build something in a way that benefits the most customers who are paying for the thing that you are selling? Right. And we kind of landed on, okay, the, the way that we're building teams or users or whatever it is that we're calling accounts or whatever it is that we're calling it will benefit all of our customers that need more than one person to have access in some way to an account, a dashboard billing, all, all that sort of thing. So whether it's a small company where you just need to give access to one other person or a bigger company where you need to give like site by site access to different clients or customers or employees, yeah. we're building it in such a way that it, it's going to be beneficial to most people in most cases. Yeah. And also, you know, I said to you, oh, what about if they've got a client who has tons of different marketing sites and they want to give access to all of them at once? Well, worst case, if we get so much demand for that, I'm just thinking we could do tagging or we could, you know, tag a client and they could get access to all of those, all sites that have a certain tag. There are ways of going around this and not overcomplicating it is basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, because a team is really just a bulk action. Like somebody on a team has access to these sites in this way. So there's other ways to do bulk actions like that, I think. But well, it'll, I I can't wait to get this live. I'm excited for, I love these features that we build in Fathom that just kind of exist on their own. That when we launch them, they're just like built in. Whereas some of the other stuff is like so tied in and so integral to like this little piece. It's like why we had to launch EU isolation custom domains at the same time. Oh, because yeah. they're linked like we we can't unlink them just because it would be better for marketing to launch one feature at a time 
They were very much linked yeah. because if we'd have launched EU isolation before custom domains, people using custom domains would have said, oh, cool, so I can't use EU isolation. <laughs> and then, so we had to have EU isolation launched. We could have, I think we could have launched custom domains without EU isolation maybe, but then the code was all kind of tied together because yeah, there, was a, there were a bunch of reasons. But yeah, we ultimately sacrificed the spacing for, for the blogs and stuff. And we did a mega thread and people liked the mega thread. I think we attracted a lot of people there because they're learning, oh, wow, this company actually is GDPR compliant. They're not just lying about it. And yeah, dude, I dropped a tweet on this as well. You know, I, I, I don't know if you saw, you're not even on Twitter, but <laughs> I said uh, basically that people are starting to notice who is basically lying about being GDPR compliant. I'm like, yeah, it's our competitors. People know that. I mean, I was yeah. throwing shade because I was in that kind of, in that kind of mood. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> People are seeing it. And I think us communicating transparently about this is really, really powerful for, for, for our business and just for education in general, because people can stop being, stop having the wall pulled over their eyes, because that's what's happening right now. People are trusting what these companies say, and these companies are taking a guess. These companies aren't investing in lawyers. Oh, yeah, we're GDPR compliant because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, I've been there and I've done that in the past. Well, when we first started, we didn't have access to this, and we were trying to make guesses. And that those guesses actually end up having like support, and you end up having, oh, shit, like, this is wrong. And you need to get out of that place. You can't just make stupid guesses. You need to actually hire professionals. So, if, you know, I see it all the time and people are just noticing it. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, the, these are all new things. Like, Shrems 2 didn't exist when we started Fathom. Oh, yeah, no. Right? So, the, these things are new. And I think it does take time to get things right. And it does take time to, like, you do have to, it, it, the law is weird because you, you, you essentially do have to guess until there's, there's case law that supports how laws will be interpreted and then put into put into practice right but and there's e no case law for shrimps too yeah any, but, but I, there are recommendations true but you can't just guess without trying like i think where our guesses are better than our competitors because we involve people who understand these things at a much higher level because this is what they do all day i'm talking about our lawyers i'm talking about a privacy officer re um, I'm talking about all the things that we invest in to, to make our guesses as accurate as we can possibly make them, as opposed to just, um, I'm a developer or I'm a marketer and I Googled this and this is what I came up with. So this is, this is why I think we're compliant. And so, I wouldn't even call, I wouldn't call what we do guessing though. So like if our compliance section mm -hmm. was put together with RE and other lawyers, like they, these aren't guesses. These are true, professionals true. coming in. So I'm, well, when I said guesses, I mean before, when we, in the early days, we could not afford, we couldn't afford anyone. <laughs> so we had to basically go off of Google and make, I guess, semi-educated guesses. So we'd spend hours looking into the text. I think you, you did work with a professional, actually. I'm telling lies here. So I don't think we've ever made full guesses but yeah. my point is that now we'll put more resources behind something so we'll bring in people extra people to get confirmation on various things we don't just like we don't just work with one person who is uh i think you worked with who did you work with like a dp a data yep you worked with someone but the whole point yeah, is yeah dpa we in um in ireland so like EU isolation, we had Re, who's just a genius, and we had multiple lawyers involved in that. So that's what I mean by not 
guessing. And I don't think we well, have to guess. No. I also think it's telling that we're a software company and the first contractor that we hired is a privacy law expert as opposed to a, as opposed to like another developer. Like the first thing that we invested money into that wasn't just paying for infrastructure or paying for our salaries was legal. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how that's that's the value that we put on it as a company, as a business. Yeah, and Reed's always willing to jump on a call and, and work through things that way. So it's so nice. Yeah. So yeah, the difference between guessing and the difference between working with professionals who live and breathe this is huge. And you shouldn't choose the company that guesses. You should choose the company that's actually investing in this because the investment leads to you being compliant. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. The, the foremost at the front of this is that we need to keep our customers compliant. Our customers don't want data complaints. They don't want lawsuits. Uh, well, yeah, lawsuits effectively. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it can lead to. You can be sued. So that's why we go the extra mile with this. And like, like recently, the legal stuff I'm working on with Re and, and, the, and the European lawyer, we've got our DPA. And our DPA is so, so funny. They're used to working with companies that are processing so much data and have to think <laughs> about uh, things and be really careful. We're such an edge case. And even, you know, people rolled out the new SCCs and our European customers will be familiar with this, the new standard contractual clauses. We don't even need them. Because EU data subject data doesn't leave the EU, <laughs> and we're in. There's, there's no danger of it being transferred to the states, for example. So, we're playing a very interesting, interesting game, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all new. We're possibly the first company, one of the first companies to be to be doing this. Right? Nobody I think it's has awesome. global EU isolation. So the big distinction is a lot of people say, "Oh, you know what we'll do? We will just go all in with Hetzner, and we'll basically root." US customers to Hetzner. And it's like, you can't do that because then then the Americans are basically going to suffer in terms of performance. And that's just not fair. Just because of the GDPR, you can't just say, oh yeah, fuck the American customers. We just are going to root them here. And, and who cares about how fast their website loads? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. And I've, again, our competitors do this. So I'm not, I don't want to go off on our competitors. They're not, they're not bad. Um, anyway, you can't do that because it's, yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> fair on, but it's not fair on your American customers. Yeah. It really isn't. So the whole thing with us is that, uh, just patting on myself on the back, if you're, if you're in America, we will root and you have American visitors. Don't worry about it. We're not going to put them through the EU because that's completely unfair. They're going to go to an American server and things are going to be very fast. And if you're in the EU, again, don't worry. We'll root them through to the European, uh, so to the EU servers. So yeah, you can't, that, that's the big thing that Fathom does that nobody does. And yes, the, are we just patting ourselves on the back in these podcasts nowadays? Is that just what-, what I mean, it was a bit of a, a sandwich because like we patted ourselves on the back. Then we talked about how we messed up and now we're patting ourselves on the back again. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good, a good way to end this episode. Sure. Yeah, I like it. It feels like life. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you all in a week or two or three.